are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a May 10th Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, editor and writer at LeBron Wire, part of the USA Today NBA Wire sites, and your host here of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are back once again. We're going to have another episode this week, but uh, right now we're going to have something a little bit different than the player in review stuff that we did the other day. This is a conversation with Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors. And we decided to talk about both the Blazers and the Raptors and kind of have a parallel discussion because I think there are a lot of parallels uh, to both of these teams. Uh, we, we planned this actually a few days out, but um, we were able to do it tonight and we talked about the similarities with both teams, what we think each team should do. And I think we kind of ended up Actually, I think in a in probably a better place than I thought we would. Uh, so it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, good conversation with Sean, and uh, you can follow Sean on Twitter at Woodley Sean on Twitter. And we, we had a pretty good time actually recording this. Um, I know both teams are kind of in a, a tough spot because it was really tough to see both of them lose in the ways that they did against who they lost to. Uh, but we talked about where both teams are at. And, uh, well, I hope you enjoy the conversation. But it's myself and Sean Woodley, the host of Locked on Raptors. Hey, how's it going? It's uh, Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors. And I'm joined today by uh, fellow in basketball sadness, Eric Gunderson, the host of Locked on Blazers. How's it going, man? Dude, it's um, it's, go- it's going all right, man. I, I-, I was the weather here is, is kind of nice. I'm able to walk back and forth to, to work a lot. So that's that's been great. Uh, and that's been helping with the, the basketball sadness for sure here in, in, in Portland that uh, I think every basketball fan is dealing with. Yeah, I thought... At least here, and I don't know. How, how, how are you? I know it's still still it's a lot fresher for you right now. Yeah, we're still waiting in like the sea of blow it up think pieces that are coming out, and it's exhausting. Uh, there was a, a little moment tonight where a few people I follow on Twitter were discussing and talking themselves into Andrew Wiggins as a potential trade candidate. It's uh, it's dark times right now, but I think it'll sort of. As the playoffs go on and more teams embarrass themselves, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens with the Celtics against the Cavs. We'll see uh, the the attention kind of go away from the Raptors. It's kind of funny how Raptors fans, not me because I don't really care, and I, I, I think the less that the Raptors are covered, the more people are likely to listen to things like this. But, like, I kind of find it funny how Raptors fans talked all year about, oh, please cover us, cover us, please pay attention, and now... It's uh, the last thing anybody wants is like intelligent people just ripping apart the team, and uh, yeah. So oh, that's the I, oh, that's yeah. the spot we're in right now. Oh yeah, I think Blazers fans are still very much in that spot, and I think um, it, it's a little bit worse because the cap situation with Portland, I think, and also um, just, just that that. When, when talking about the future, you know, like you guys are like right now, I saw the Andrew Wiggins thing today. Um, and like, 
you know, I think the only thing that most fans are thinking of in terms of trades is like trading CJ. But even then, I don't know if they're if they're really thinking that. And obviously, the obvious trades that a lot of people want to do to the Blazers is trade Evan Turner, you know, trade Myers Leonard, and and, and I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, just because I just don't know if other teams are going to. I don't know what the the market is for those guys, and at the price that they're at, considering the cap situation, and so. Um, yeah, I think people people here are still a little bummed out. I think, uh, I think blowing it up though. I I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I think there, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of both here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot. I think there's a lot of blow it up, and then there's also a good deal of okay, we have Damon CJ. Like, try it again. Yeah, I think that's it's kind of a similar thing here. There's always been factions that are like pro keep it together and pro blow it up. This happened last year too when they got swept by the Cavs or the Raptors did, and it was like before Masai came out and did like the culture reset spiel and all that stuff. Like people were like, yeah, like just move on. Let, let's just blow it up. Let's not bring Kyle back. Let's let him walk in the off season, which was always dumb because you were never going to get anything close to Kyle Lowry as a as a replacement for him. And you know, I. I don't know. I, I'm so staunchly anti-blow it up that maybe I'm biased in this whole thing and the conversation about it just because, like, man, I'm not trying to go back to days where Ed Davis, shouts to Ed Davis, where Ed Davis was like the beacon of hope for the future. And I, I don't know. It's When you have a five-year run of being this good and three years in a row of winning 50 games, like, it's hard to blow that up, especially when, like, in the Raptors situation, they were not supposed to be as good as they were this year. The young guys were never supposed to kind of hit as quickly as they did. And 2018-19 was always supposed to be more of the go-all-in year after they signed Kyle and Serge to three-year deals. And so, like, it feels premature to blow it up. And I just kind of wish they'd just let it run run its course and then, you know, reassess after this season when maybe there's a bit more cap flexibility and stuff. But, I don't know, I'm also kind of struggling with this thing because, and this, I think, is another sort of parallel with the Blazers, like, how do you even reconcile losing to, like, a transcendent superstar that, like, he just owns you? And, and, like, Anthony Davis isn't LeBron just yet, but, like, the way in which he just owned that series and, like, the matchup just never made sense and he, that was always going to be a tough series for the Blazers to stop Anthony Davis. Like, the Raptors just have no answer for LeBron James. They haven't for three years. But I don't know how much of, like, an indictment of that is on them. And, like, you know this. You write for LeBron Wire. Like, you watch this. Like, yeah. I don't know how to evaluate the Raptors and how good they are next to LeBron because I think it's kind of dumb to grade him next grade them next to LeBron because like look at him he's insane he's maybe the best player ever and I, I just I've struggled with this for three years now and trying to like evaluate how good the Raptors are while their seasons continue to end in such horrifying fashion at the hands of LeBron James yeah, it's kind of funny that now that we, we talk about this with the Anthony Davis situation and the LeBron situation, I think there is another similarity that they share in relation to both of those guys is I think that the two guys that are on each team that would have been the better matchups aren't ready yet. Hmm. OG OG and OG is like OG had a good series, he's still not ready like all the way yet you know what i mean like yeah. he's still nowhere close to what he's going to be and i think zach collins in a lot of ways for the blazers he was really good at times in this in the playoff series and i think if there was one positive to take away from the series in the same way that there's i think positives to take away from toronto in the loss to lebron was that zach collins played really well and if you can kind of think about what he can do ideally 
um, at least for Collins's perspective, not necessarily OG. I think he's the perfect complement to what you have with Damon CJ in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Like if he develops into what you think he can be, he can shoot the three, he can move, he can pass, he can defend the rim. Like, and uh, but he's twenty, yeah. and so there's no way he's going to be ready for Anthony Davis right now. And he might not be next. He's not going to be next year either. But like, you know, the hope is that he can just get a little bit, you know, elevate his game up to elevate the rest of the team up. And then maybe you you just hope you don't match up with Anthony Davis again. Yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at with the Raptors. It's like it's pathetic and kind of a weird way to go about like your future outlook for the team. But it's like just like wait out LeBron. Like he might leave this offseason. Maybe he goes to some other East team that's not quite as equipped with role players as the Cavs or maybe he just like starts to get old I don't know it's gonna happen at some point maybe I've been talking myself into this for three years and it's probably not gonna happen in the next three or five but like eventually it's gonna happen and eventually this run of making the finals will stop and my whole like argument against blowing it up is like while you're in the position to be good still I don't really see the point in you know prematurely blowing it up because like a year from now, if LeBron does go west and Joel Embiid gets hurt and the, the Celtics, you know, maybe Kyrie gets hurt, maybe there's some regression for Jalen or Jason Tatum or whatever, and, like, you look at the Raptors and, like, the young guys say, like, you trade DeMar or Kyle or both, and, like, you look at OG and Pascal and, like, these guys, maybe they really take a step next season, and you look at the East and it was kind of up for grabs, you're going to hate yourself for blowing it up too soon. And, like, I think that's kind of where the Blazers should be, too. I think the Blazers are in a tough, tougher spot because there's two teams, I think, at the top of the conference that seem to be kind of these barriers. And, you know, who knows if other teams are going to sort of move into that zone as well. But, like, I, I don't know. I'm always of the mind that while you have pieces on hand to be good, just be good. Like, the title or bust thing, I don't get it as, like, a sports fan. You're always going to be sad if you're title or bust. Like, are you – is that kind of – like, would you agree with that? Like, are you more oh, of a, just like no. enjoy the regular season for what it is? If something great uh, happens, awesome. If not, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally like that. I mean, I, especially it, being an NBA fan. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you can enjoy the NBA. Yeah. As a championship, like it's not the NFL. It's not baseball. Like, let's be real. Like those those teams have way more, you know widely distributed championships than the NBA does because the NBA is dependent on superstars and transcended stars. And like sometimes, you know, great teams with like, you know, really great players instead of transcendent stars win championships. And I think that in the case of both Toronto and Portland, they they have, they, they do have really great players. They might not have transcendent stars, but they have great players. And, sometimes the transcendent stars don't win. I mean, that happens a lot, actually. You know, mm-hmm. it's it just... I I do think that you have to give yourself a chance to be lucky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you have to give yourself a chance to have a series where Evan Turner hits all of his mid-range jumpers. You know what I mean? Like, like it, 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 it sounds stupid, but like... How many times in the playoffs does something crazy happen that statistically was not expected? We just saw it with the Celtics over the Sixers. <laughs> like it happens, right? Yeah, mm. exactly. The, the the like point differential wise, like the Sixers were better. Mm-hmm. You know, like in in a bunch of those games and shot quality and all this stuff. But like, you have to put your. I think there's there is merit in putting giving yourself a chance to get lucky. 
you know, against a team that might be favored or better in a series. And, like, yeah, Portland's problem is that they have Golden State and Houston, but they still have Damian Lillard, who's a really great player. C.J. McCollum is a really, really good player. Who And, and I just think that if you can give yourself a chance to maybe get hot with a bunch of your other guys, you do it. I mean, especially when you have a guy like Damian Lillard who has been so solid for this team – has delivered so much since he got here day one and he wants a chance, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it, you can't like, and I, 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 it's not worth alienating him. You know what I mean? Like it's not worth alienating your star player who has put in the work for you for six years. You know, it's just not, and who's also is your max guy. Like if you're not going to try now, when are you ever going to try? Cause, cause waiting for LeBron James or Anthony Davis you know, is is dumb. You're not going to get the next guy every year or every two years or every five years. Yeah, that's the thing that I think a lot of people who are pro blow it up kind of overlook. Like I think, and I, I think the Blazers are in a less. You know, I think that their like blow it up case makes a lot less sense than the Raptors. Like the Raptors, you could make the case like Kyle's kind of getting older, and Demar maybe you'll, he'll never be more valuable. Whatever. Like I can see it. I still don't agree with it, but I can see where the argument comes from. But, like, for the people who are pro-blow-it-up, like, I'd like to see – this might be the next frontier of, like, analytics. It's, like, how often do actual rebuilds work and, like, to what degree do they work? Because, you know, where the Raptors and Blazers are right now, like, that – I would argue that's, like, a successful rebuild. If you were to tear it all down and get to a point where you can win 50 games and be a top, you know, four seed, get home court a bunch of years in a row – like, I'm pretty sure a lot of teams would say that's a successful rebuild, considering, you know, all the things that go into it. Like, you get a star player or two, and you you, you assemble a pretty good team. Like, considering how rare transcendent stars are, I think that is pretty much, like, close to a best-case scenario. And then you have, like, the otherworldly scenario where you do get a LeBron or an Anthony Davis. But even then, like... The Pelicans got Anthony Davis, and they still are so far away from winning a title because it takes more than one guy. And, like, the Sixers as well. I mean, the Sixers, I think, will get there. They're really good, and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid rule, but it took them five or six years to get there. It was not smooth the entire time. There's still, like, a big injury question hanging over Embiid, and I think there always will be. Um, And, like, Simmons still has his issues as well. Like, it's not a guaranteed thing, man. The only really guaranteed thing is to rip off the stupid Brooklyn Nets in a trade and set yourself up for 15 years. Jesus Christ. Or or be the Thunder and hit on all your picks for three years in a row. And then trade one of them away and not sign – not keep the other one, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just – and I think – like one of the things that I've looked to, and I mentioned this on the podcast after uh, the end of the playoff series, was that I think Toronto is a good example of like it's not sexy and it doesn't sound cool, but like you draft guys and you hope that they turn into rotation players or good players or like you hope rotation players turn into starters and you know all that stuff. Like 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 it doesn't sound cool. It's not as fun as getting guys in free agency or making a big trade, but like you got, I think the Raptors really showed this year that like the bench, like all those young guys really did take a step. And yes, they didn't, you know, they didn't do it against LeBron, but like, come on, nobody has in the East for the last eight years. So like to, to, to hold that against them, I just don't, I just don't agree with it. I think, 
you can, you know, stick with what you've got and hope for more growth from the team from within. And I think, you know, Portland, you can, you want, you want to hope for a similar thing. I think, you know, if the contract for Nurkic isn't too crazy, maybe you take Nurkic back. You know, like I think the growth that Valanciunas has made year over year is proof that, you know, you know, none of these guys are finished products. And I think, I think Nurkic could get better. I think that Zach Collins is definitely going to get better. Uh, you know, I, I think you have guys on your team in there, and obviously, you know, they get another draft pick this year. So, I, I mean, it's not fun or, you know, sexy to talk about, but, like, that's kind of the only way that either of these teams is really going to get better. Yeah, and I also wonder, too, like, you know, everyone glorifies what Hinky did with the Sixers, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's the only way to guarantee a star. But, like, that's not it at all, and I... I honestly think, like, if you look at some of the best teams in the league or even just, like, the sort of second-tier teams, like, a lot of them just got good by being competent and not bottoming out and sort of using their competence to sort of make their own luck a little bit, right? Like, the Rockets, they put themselves in a position to trade for James Harden while also sort of being competitive and not being a total tire fire. And, like, the Celtics, by being a competitive team while also sort of, you know, stockpiling these assets and ripping off Billy King... Like, they made themselves a desirable destination for Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. And, like, the Raptors and Blazers, I think it's different maybe a little bit because they're not, like, prime traditional destinations for for free agents. But, like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of value in just sort of being good. You draft well. You sort of maintain your flexibility. You maintain your picks. And you try to stockpile assets as well as you can while also being good. And, like, I don't know. I don't rule the Raptors out of making a trade this summer. Like, they have OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Like, they don't have picks on hand because they had to, you know, attach one to get rid of Damari Carroll. But, like, they have young guys who, you know, in a world where superstar players don't exactly fetch enormous returns anymore and, you know, where you have other contracts on the team as well that you could potentially ship out to match. Like, the Raptors are in a position where if there's a bidding war that's not quite super hot for a superstar somewhere, like, they could get on get on some action. I think the Blazers probably could, too. They have Zach Collins, like you mentioned. Like, they, they – and, like, McCollum is a nice piece to dangle in a trade if you want to try to upgrade on the wing or whatever. Like, being competent puts you in a position to also maybe rebuild from the middle as opposed to rebuilding from the bottom. So, like, I don't think it has to be, like, a zero-sum game where it's like, oh, you just, like, keep going or you rebuild. Like, you can kind of just keep going and also rebuild at the same time if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I think I think both teams have done that uh, really well. I mean, Toronto filling out their bench the way they have for the last few years. And I think Portland, too, you know, I know they get a lot of crap for the summer of 2016, and they should – you know, for how much, uh, you know, how much, how much money they spent and how it kind of strapped them. But, you know, Alan Crabb came, was a second round pick and earned his way to that contract. And then they eventually traded him. And that was a contract from the Nets. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think, uh, Pat Connaughton is another good example. Second round pick that the Blazers developed into a good player. I mean, Harkless was traded for basically nothing to the Blazers and he got better. And is was a really important part of this year's team. And, you know, I'd argue had he not gotten hurt, maybe the first round looks a little bit different if there's a healthy Harkless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I think there's a lot of examples on both teams with like DeLon Wright or Pirtle or Van Vliet, you know, on, on the Raptors and the guys I just mentioned for Portland that, you know, there's exa- it's not like we're BSing here. Like this is 
this is all stuff that is true, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I know that sometimes fans can get caught up in like, am I being delusional? Well, like, no, we're like pointing out like real examples of like guys that have, you know, become pretty solid players uh, via player development. And that's an important part of being a good NBA team. And also the other thing too is like, I I think both the Blazers and Raptors have had like recent kind of crossroads in their history. I think 2013, 14 was that for the Raptors when they tried to blow it up. Like they traded Rudy Gay. They were James Dolan getting scared of Masai Ujiri away from trading Kyle Lowry to the Knicks. And like, I don't know. Like, there's no way to say how that rebuild would have worked out. I mean, the whole thing that year was everyone wanted to tank for Andrew Wiggins because he's from, you know, just north of Toronto and everyone was excited about that. But, like, say that dream scenario did happen and the Raptors got Andrew Wiggins, like, you're not any further along. <laughs> you're really not. C- maybe CIA, ba- CIA bounce reunion. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Shout out, sh- shout out to all the Canadians. Yeah. I just, wanted, I just wanted to flex a little bit of my Canadian basketball knowledge. Well, yeah, because all the Oregon guys, right? I guess you, it's just by association. They're they're just uh, oh yeah, we have that, face we, yeah, we're ba- yeah, basically Canada's favorite college basketball team. <laughs> except, uh, except for except for R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I'm mad he's going to Duke. That sucks. But now the like, Raptors fans want to tank for R.J. Barrett now too, which the Raptors are probably too good to tank for R.J. Barrett this year. That's oh, the reality. Yeah. Like even if they get rid of Kyle Demar, Serge, like. And Jonas, like their young guys are probably too good and too competent. Like I, I don't know. It, that's the thing. It, it's it all goes back to this. Like the the Blazers after they lost all those guys that summer were Aldridge and Matthews and Lopez and who was the other guy? Batum all left. Like they could uh-huh. have easily gone in the tank as well. But they were like, no. Like we'll. we'll I, I'm not sure they like earnestly tried to make the playoffs and be what the four or five seed that year. But like. Being competent got them there and making good additions. Like Al Farouk Aminu was a really great pickup. That worked really well. Um, and like, you know, before they traded him, uh, whatever Plumley was on the team was good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Plumley had a really good season yeah. uh, that year when they got the fifth seed, I think, and they got, you know, the two injuries against uh, the Clippers by, for Blake and Chris Paul. Yeah. That definitely helped. But, you know, they, yeah, and I think, you know, part of it was, again, an example of, you know, competing while building with your draft assets and, and getting guys better. I mean, CJ McCollum, I didn't even mention, you know, and CJ was, you know, on the bench for his first two seasons and now is an all-star level contributor. I mean, I mean, if it wasn't, if he wasn't in the West with how many great guards there are, or I mean, in the NBA really, with just how many really great guards there are, you know, he, he would be an all-star. I mean, his numbers are on that level. And I think, uh, that is something that both teams are doing is, is not giving away, you know, draft picks and stuff like that. Although Portland did give one away in Lamarcus's contract year, but um, you know, you got you just have to be smart, hold on to those assets, and and hope that you know your draft picks hit, and then you develop those assets. You know, you don't just pick a guy in the draft and he becomes. You know, I think that's why a lot of, uh, or at least a couple of Portland's assistant coaches are getting. Uh, and and I think the Raptors as well are getting interviews yeah. uh, with, with, with other teams because uh, Portland and Toronto, I think, have done a really good job of developing draft picks into really good players. Yeah, that's kind of Jerry Stackhouse's whole bag with the G League team, right? Like half of the roster was on the G League team last year. It's, you know, I think if you have a strong organization, you can kind of cut corners a little bit on totally blowing it up, I think is kind of the the point I'm trying to make here. And like, if you just look at like some of the best teams in the league, I mean, the Rockets never really had a high pick. They traded for James Harden, signed Chris Paul, 
Uh, Clint Capella was like the 25th pick. The Warriors, like, famously never had a super high pick, but just like through bringing in Steve Kerr and, you know, kind of building to, the, to their potential with Draymond and all that stuff, like, they ended up being able to sign Kevin Durant. You have the Cavs, they had a bunch of first round, first overall picks and kind of botched them all except for Kyrie. And, you know, even that, like, that team didn't work around just Kyrie, but they, you know, they were lucky as hell with, like, LeBron being born next door, so maybe they're a different sort of yeah. team here. But, like, the Pacers didn't have to, you know, nuke it, right? Like, they, you know, had a competent r- roster of players that could make a trade of a guy, Paul George, who they also didn't draft with a very high pick. Like, I, I think there's, like, a, this sort of fallacy that just, like, assumes that if you tank hard, you're going to get a superstar. But I think we've seen that even just, like, if you do get one superstar, that's probably not enough. Like, look at the Bucks right now, man. Like, they're two years yeah, away they're, they're from... A mess. They're a mess. Yeah, like, they're very close. Like, it, time goes fast, and they're a year or two away from... Giannis's future there being like a legitimate question. The Wizards had a first overall pick with John Wall, and they're a disaster. Like, there's no, I don't think there's like an obvious way to build. Like, I think a lot of it's just luck, and like you can get luck while also staying good instead of you know totally ripping it down. And being yeah. good is is fine. It's 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 all right. Like you're gonna deal with heartbreak every year, but overall, like the year's fun. Regular seasons are cool. Yeah, and I think you know Philadelphia did what they did, but I I just don't think every can do that it's just everybody can't do that yeah. it's just not it's just not going to work and I think building a team with a bunch of young players the way that both of these teams are obviously they have expensive players but it's like you know like Boston I think did a really good job and obviously they ripped off Brooklyn but they did a good job of building and trying to win you know they got Brad Stevens a coach they believed in um, you know Stotts has been here for a long time and uh, I and Dwayne Casey has been with the Raptors for a while. And I know that there's a lot of question about, you know, I think, you know, at least, at least there was questions about both of them, but I, I, it feels like it feels at least to me for the, the Blazers, it does feel like they're going to stay with Olshay and Stotts. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't feel like to me that they're going to fire them. I don't know. What's your read on what's going on with Dwayne Casey? I obviously Masai, is going to be there, but uh, Dwayne Casey, I think, was the the question for a lot of people. Yeah, I have no idea what's up with Dwayne. Uh, it seemed weird that the day that there were a couple reports that they were leaning towards moving on from him, that he had a press conference that they called to like just you know do his year end thing or whatever. Like, I, I feel like if they were close to a decision on that, they would have you know held off on that and maybe not forced Dwayne up there to answer some pretty awkward questions two hours after those reports reports came out. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm going back and forth on it. I think it's you could defend getting rid of him. I also don't think it's going to change much in terms of the scope of the Eastern Conference and being up against LeBron. Like I don't think any new coach, I don't think Jerry Stackhouse or Nick Nurse coming in changes your fortunes against LeBron. That's just kind of the reality until you get a player who is as good or better than LeBron. And hey, guess what? That's not happening. So yeah, I, I I'd be very happy with Dwayne Casey coming back. I'd be understanding if they were to move on, but like I wouldn't have any illusions about it changing the fortunes. Um, and I, I think it's a good idea for the Blazers to keep Terry Stotts as well. Like I think he's a good ass coach. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and I think I think I mean not to interrupt, but I no, just, I mean I think. Listen, I think there was a lot of pressure on everybody on the team to get the defense better this year, and they did that. They were mm-hmm. a top ten defense. And, you know, Dame, I think, did a lot of work to, to get better on the defensive end. And they, like, committed, like, their entire training camp, basically, to playing defense. 
problem was is that they just were not they were not they literally were not really practicing their offense from what I understand as much as they were practicing their defense and that really hurt them I think and I think Stotts is an offensive coach that's how he made his bones in the league and I think you give him another year to kind of build off of what that they did on the defensive end and kind of get back to you know their flow concepts and ball move and moving the ball more I mean the Blazers' offense normally was like really good and really free flowing, and the ball moved. And they were, I think, last in the NBA in passes this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I but I think st- they have the right guy already to fix that. I don't think they need to go outside of the staff that they have to kind of figure things out. I just think once you get in the middle of the season and you're not really, you know, I think if they can build off the defensive concepts that they really refined this year with getting back to their offensive identity of the past few years, I think they could have another good year. That's kind of wild. Like that's not even that that's another parallel that I didn't even really consider between these two teams and that like it was kind of the inverse for the Raptors where the entire season was about changing their offense so it would fit and, and more be more adaptable in the playoffs. And it was. Like the offense was not a problem in these playoffs. It was the defense particularly against LeBron James and against like top level offenses it was too conservative. It was too prone to getting, you know, destroyed by singular talents. And that is obviously what you're going to come across when it's LeBron James. And uh, again, like, I'm not sure the blame for where the defense sort of faltered this season, I think, kind of falls on a few different spots. I think it's on, you know, Dwayne Casey for maybe adapting to a more conservative type scheme than he's had in the past. But at the same time, like you have Jonas Valanciunas, who's not a guy who you want to be playing an aggressive defensive scheme with. You want him to just hang back near the rim, take advantage of his talents as a rim protector, a guy who's pretty good at verticality and stuff like that. And, you know, that worked. And they were a top five defense this year. And also I think like another year of OG Ananobi and Jakob Pertl and, you know, even Norman Powell hopefully getting back on track and Pascal Siakam, like, there is a very good defense hidden within some of these players, and I think it can kind of be more LeBron-friendly, if that makes any sense, it, it, with another year or two of seasoning. And so, yeah, I, I think... And, and Dwayne Casey's always been more of a defensive coach, right? Like, his defense was the one that sort of stifled LeBron in that 2011 finals and, you know, was a big reason why LeBron had to sort of change his game and, and rethink how he played the game. He talked about that during one of his post-game press conferences during this series, and... I think Casey has sort of the wherewithal to craft a defensive scheme. I think, yeah, maybe they did this put too much bandwidth into changing the offense this season. And maybe now as that's going to be more habit going into next season, assuming they bring everyone back, like maybe they can focus more on defense. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point you make, but it is definitely it's also, it's applicable also funny, to both. It's, sorry. It's also funny just given the parallels of Stotts and Casey because they yeah. were both – they both uh, – been on the same coaching staffs like a zillion times they were on the same coaching staffs in seattle and then they were on the same coaching staff in dallas yeah and like stotts was like the offensive guy and casey was the defensive guy and uh it's just so funny that the the inverse is is happening with both of the teams uh but uh in both of the coaches which is it's just really funny but um yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else to, to add? I mean, I don't know. I think we both kind of talked about the offseason and and the draft and, and, and all the things. It's kind of funny how many similarities and, like, how the differences are basically reversed yeah. with both of these teams. It's pretty funny. Um, but, hey, I mean, this is uh, – you know, somebody has to not make the finals every year and you just – Sometimes you try and you're you're out early, and I think there's 
I don't think, at least with either of these teams, with the performances that they went up against, I don't think that it, 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 there's too much to hang your head about, even though it sucks. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's the the best way I can I can put it. Sometimes LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be LeBron and Anthony Davis, and that's pretty much all you can do about it. And you just got to tip your cap. And it sucks in the moment. And Raptors fans are losing their minds right now and want change. But uh, I I would hesitate before doing that because the grass isn't always greener. And no, I don't have anything else. I think we've covered everything, man. This is uh, I I expected to be much sadder on this. I, I've kind of talked myself into believing again, which. Uh, Shout out to sports for constantly roping me Gosh. back in, but yeah, oh, man. I thought I was going to be sadder. <laughs> well, you know, what? it's good. It's good that we could kind of we, we'd have this kind of group therapy session and and realize that hey, it's not it, it's not so bad. The true value of the Locked On Podcast Network is just having readily available people to talk it out with. Is uh, yeah, I think what yeah. we've settled on here. Speaking of which, you should subscribe. You should subscribe to. All the Locked On shows, but especially Locked On Raptors and Locked On Blazers. Uh, Eric, do you have any special shows coming up people should know about? Or uh, Yeah, I'm going to have Corbin Smith on the podcast. Uh, so doing doing the, the Corbs podcast again. He comes on uh, pretty frequently. Is this Blazers uh, After Dark? Yeah, it's the LOB After Dark, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, for, the, for the real lobster heads out there. Uh, and then also just... Uh, I'm still writing uh, about um, editing and writing over at LeBron Wire, so uh, check out the LeBronWire.usatoday.com. Um, so go check that out too. Right on. Going to be doing lots of conference final stuff. Sweet. Uh, I will have some like player review podcast probably coming out starting next week as we uh, lick the wounds from the season. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got coming up right now. So stay tuned for that. Lockdown Raptors. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff uh, to both of our fine shows. And, uh, Eric, man, this was fun, man. We should do it again sometime. Sounds good.